as we heard earlier, in a few minutes we're going to share communion, but you're going to have to listen to me first for a little while, okay? Well, you can pretend to listen to me, I don't care, but I'm going to share and speak just for a short time. If you've been part of this church, you'll know that we've been looking at the theme of stretching and strengthening for this year based on Isaiah 54. We believe it's time to enlarge, we believe it's time for expansion, we believe it's time for growth. And actually, somebody spoke a prophetic word over myself and his church earlier. You went there, it was an AG thing, saying it was time for expansion. Uh, and just like uh, the new world next to the airport, it said, but just as airplanes take off and fly, saw a picture of new life about to take off and fly and expand and reach areas we've never done for a while. So we're excited about what God is doing. So I believe it's enlarging, but strengthening and strengthening of what we're unpacking this year that's collectively and individually, it's time to be stretched and strengthened. We want to be a strengthening, empowering church. We want to empower everyone to become all that you can be, all that we can be, and to see God do incredible things. And in February, we're looking particularly at strengthening a particular aspect in our church life, and that's care. Look at strengthening care. We do believe we do care, but believe we need to strengthen our care aspect in our church life. What do we mean by strengthening? It's to make something stronger or more effective. The reinforcing or consolidation of something or becoming more valuable or more productive. And we believe there's various areas of strength and we're going to unpack about stretching and strengthening this year. But we just believe that we need to strengthen caring. Caring for one another. We believe we should be caring for one another. I'm going to read a famous Bible story. It's about the Good Samaritan. Even if you've never been in church, even if you've never been in any church meeting, you've probably heard the expression, the Good Samaritan. You might even have used the expression, the Good Samaritan. You might even have been called a Good Samaritan without really knowing where it came from or what it meant. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 10. It should come up on the screen. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, 
take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The story, one day, an expert tried to catch Jesus out, basically. I never cease to be amazed at the amount of experts there are in the world. I don't know about you, but my mind can't grasp how you watch a debate with two experts on the same subject who come up to polar opposite opinions and conclusions about an item, and they're both experts. Maybe it's because I'm not an expert that I can't farm the fact that two experts can fundamentally disagree about an area or a topic. But this expert came and asked Jesus a question, trying to catch Jesus out. Jesus replies by telling a story, what we call a parable, which simplistically is called an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus replies with a story. I don't know about you, but I've had times in my life when I've asked people questions and they've replied by telling me a story. If I'm honest, sometimes it's very clear and I get what they're saying. Other times my mind is saying, I know you're trying to tell me something, but I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe it's because I'm not an expert. I can't work out what it is you're trying to tell me. But Jesus' story is very unambiguous. Jesus' story is very clear and plain. And the man asks a question, and the reality is he has to respond to the answer that came along. Jesus moved the debate from an intellectual intellectual, theological theory type of debate into a practical where the rubber hits the road type of answer. Because what God requires of us is not something that just tickles our brain or our mind, but it's something which affects us on a daily basis, something which is practical and real. The expert would appear to have known the theory, known the Torah, known the law, known what the Bible says, but was struggling to put it all into practice. He was struggling, even though he knew it, there was a reality in which he wasn't fulfilling everything that was required. And the reality is, the Bible teaches us that we've all messed up and come short of what God requires. And the law was given to show how far short we are of God's standard. But thank God Jesus came to take the punishment and to take uh, what was our punishment to say I fulfilled every bit of God's requirement so that you can walk in the freedom of grace and mercy and forgiveness. But the reality is that doesn't mean that we shouldn't live the way that God wants us to live. We all have a responsibility. My prayer that every one of us here when we come to new life, that what we share and are together on a Sunday helps us on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday and the Sunday, obviously, as well. And what I see here, if we want to strengthen our care, and we do care, if we want to strengthen our care, first of all, we see here that caring is a choice. Now, you might say it's the pastors and department heads and life group leaders are responsible for the care of the church, and I'm not minimizing the responsibility I have and others have, 
But the truth is, if you read the Bible properly, every one of us has got responsibility to care. Every one of us has responsibility to care for others. In this story we read, in the journey of life, an unnamed man is wounded, beaten, robbed, and left on his own. You know, there are many in the world who are in a similar position. Maybe not physically, but emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, people are beaten and bruised. People have been battered for the past couple of years, but some it's been a lifetime. They just feel so wounded and hurt and broken inside because of life, because of the way life has dealt with them, because of where they are. Sometimes through mistakes they've made, but there are many people like this man in our world who are just beaten, stripped, robbed of all that they can be. And then this priest, this religious leader, church man leader came along and he made a choice. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to get involved with this man. And then a temple assistant, a Levite, somebody who served in church, somebody who maybe wasn't a church leader but was involved in church life, came along and they had a look. They stopped, had a look, but then they decided, no, not for me. Now, we're not told why these people didn't get involved. Maybe they were too busy. Maybe they couldn't help them. Maybe they just didn't care enough. We're not told, but the reality is they made a choice. Not to care. And sometimes we think not getting involved is not making a choice, but it is. It's making a choice not to care. Every decision we make, positive and negative, has a consequence, but there are decisions we make. But then this other man came along, this Samaritan man, an enemy, someone who disagreed with Jewish teaching, somebody who was not looked well upon by Jews. He was despised, he was looked down upon by Jews. But he made a choice. He made a choice to care. He made a choice. I'm going to care for you. I choose to look past my prejudices, your prejudices, and I choose to care. Because it says, I'm not living my life based on your values, but on my values. My care is not dependent on who you are, what you are, but who I am, what I am. And the reality is, Every one of us in here has got prejudices. We might not admit them, but every one of us has got prejudices. It could be to do with political support of parties. It could be nationality. It could be race, societal class, and there's a bunch of whole other types. It could be sexual orientation. There are a whole bunch of things. It could be to do with the football team you support. There's a whole lot of reasons where we all have prejudices in our world and in our life. Sadly, it could be to do with the church you go to. It could be to do with your theological viewpoint on an aspect. But we all have prejudices. And this man made a choice to go beyond the prejudices he had and the other person had towards him. Every one of us makes a choice. Caring is a choice. Caring is also costly. Not only a choice, what did it cost the Samaritan? Yes, it was money, finance. We read that he handed innkeeper two silver coins to take care of the man. Now, there are times when we can care, but we can't fix the whole problem. But I'm glad we've got people that we can signpost them to. There's issues like, Cap or South Asia Food Bank 
or broken chains or seascape food pantry. There are organizations that we can get alongside, that can get alongside us to help with our caring. God doesn't expect us to fix everything and to solve every problem, but he does expect us to show care. And it can be costly. Maybe we don't know. Maybe he used up all his money he had, we don't know. But he was prepared to pay the cost. It's great to have connections, but the reality is the cost of care is not just money. It can involve money, but you can care without it costing you money. But it was his resources. He sewed the man's wounds with his own olive oil and bandages. It may not be olive oil and bandages you have in your house, but we all have resources that we can use to help others. Our homes, our cars, our talents, our abilities, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can use our resources. He gave him a lift in his brand new Mercedes. Well, he put him in his donkey, his Mercedes of the day. He put him in his donkey. And listen, he walked. You go in the donkey, I'll walk. I'm prepared to put myself at a bit of discomfort for you because my care is more important than my comfort. My compassion is more important than my comfort. And I don't mind walking along this stinking dirty road if it helps you and makes your journey life easier. It could be his reputation. Just imagine, even his Samaritan people, what you do in helping somebody like that? He's a Jew. He despises you. He's Lord. He was thought low. He's a nothing. Hey, sometimes you can care people. Why are you caring for that person? Why are you caring for that person? Why are you caring for that person, that downcast, that beggar, that addict, that prostitute, that whatever? Listen, I'm using extremes there. Why do we care? Because they need care. These are extremes. But sometimes it's useful. Why are you caring? It's their fault they get into that mess. This tells us a story. It doesn't matter who it is. This Samaritan was prepared to care. He didn't ask the story. He didn't say what happened. Is it your fault you got here? What were you doing down this road at that time of the day? He just saw a need and said, you know what? I'm going to care. I'm going to care. It could have been his safety, which cost him. Remember, that road was where the bandits came and beat this guy up. There's nothing to say the bandits wouldn't come back and beat this guy, the Samaritan, up. Jesus is telling the story of safety. Sometimes it might not be physical danger, but maybe it's emotional danger. Maybe it's psychological danger. Maybe caring costs us something and puts us. But he still cared. It might just be time. Jesus doesn't expand, but it took him. He took time out from his journey to help this man in his journey. He took time out listen, we need, if we're going to care, recognize there's a cost to care. It will cost. Caring is a choice. Caring is costly. But caring is continuous. It's not just one-off acts of kindness. Now, we're called to do acts of kindness. We should do acts of kindness. Ephesians 2.10 says, God's plan for us good works that we should do. But sometimes we think, oh, I've done my bit for today. I've done, we've all heard the expression, I've done my good deed for the day. It's as if whatever you're looking for, oh, I've done my bit. 
I've done something. It's somebody else's turn to care. I've done my good bit. I've done my good deed for the day. Listen, I'm sure we've all used, I've used that expression, okay? Every time I take my neighbor's bin in, I've done my good deed for the day. Okay? But it's not doing one-off events. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice to care. It's an ongoing decision to care continuously. He took him to the inn. He could either say, I've done my bit, I've binned you up, done that, but he took him on the next stage of his journey. When he was vulnerable, he says, I'll keep with you until your vulnerability is ending and I'll take you somewhere where you can get help for your future. He took him, and then the next day, he handed in keeper the two silver coins, and he says, take care of the man until I come back. And if it costs any more, I'll pay for it. I.e., I'm still taking responsibility. And if it's going to cost more, I'm not just saying that's me done my bit. I'll continue to care and input into this person when it's needed until he doesn't need the care anymore. And all of this isn't rah, 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 rah stuff. But if we are going to strengthen the care in our church, we need to recognize it's a choice we have to make. For us all, it's going to be costly. But it's not just doing good deeds, it's continuous. What's the take away for us today? Well, Jesus says, go and do the same. Go and do the same. He wasn't just speaking to that man who asked him the question. He was speaking to us through the corridors of time, thousands of years later. Make a decision, a choice to care. Recognize that it's a cost. And realize this. It's not just a good deed, it's a continuous choice we're making to care. It might not be as dramatic as us. I'm not asking you to go looking in the kind of danger roads of society, okay? And go looking for those who have maybe been beat up or whatever. It might just be say, I haven't seen that person for a while, I'm just going to send them a text. I'm just going to give them a phone call. I'm just going to say, hey, they fancy meeting up for a coffee. It might just be saying, you know, are you okay? Can we meet up? It might be, oh, I need, I know you're struggling and, and you need that thing. Maybe I'll just buy it for you. It doesn't need to be the big melodramatic Samaritan thing. It might just be simple. Say, you know what? I'm going to keep in touch with you. I'm going to just check you're okay every now and again. I'm here for you. How about just meeting up? I just meet up for a coffee. I'm meeting up every now and again. I just let people know what I'm praying for you. If I'm here, if you need me, help me to help you. But it starts with a choice that we're going to care in a way we've never cared before. Now, I said before, I believe we care. And this care goes on that many of us don't realize behind the scenes. But I think the responsibility is for us all to care in a whole nother level. Why do we do it? Because Jesus said in Matthew 25, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you took me in. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you cared for me, you nursed me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When did we do that, Jesus? 
and you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it to me. Why do we do it? Because we're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it to help people, but every time we do a care, act, or a decision, or a choice to care, we do it as unto him, because we're doing it for him. He says, you do, whoever you're doing it for, you're doing it to me. That's the greatest reason to bless our Savior. And do you know why? Because he cares for us. And we're going to share communion in a moment. Because there was a day when Jesus made the choice to care. There's a debate in heaven where these people have rebelled. They've turned away from me. They've turned away from Father God. And the Jew, that separation's caused pain. It's caused discomfort. That sin has separated them. And I've separated himself from my comfort, from my care, from my life, and from all that I have for them. And Jesus says, I care to do something about it. I'm choosing to care and to go and pay the price. See, he didn't just choose to care. He cared enough to pay the cost. He paid the cost. He cared, he chose, he made a choice to care. He made a choice to pay the cost. He says, I'll take that punishment for them. I'll take that pain. I'll take that physical, emotional, spiritual pain. I'll hang on a cross. I'll, die. I'll pay the cost to bring them into the care of Father God. And often we think, well, that was enough. If that was all he did, if that was all that Jesus did was come and die for us, to take our punishment so that we can receive the forgiveness of God and become the righteousness of God and have our names written in heaven so that our eternal day is secure, that would be awesome. That would be incredible. That would be wonderful. And if you're here today and you've never experienced Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're watching online, we want to tell you that Jesus Christ cared enough for you to pay the cost for your salvation by taking the punishment on a tree called Calvary so that you can be made right with God. You can have your sins forgiven. You can receive his forgiveness. You can have a right standing with God. And you can have your name written in heaven so that your time comes to leave. You go and spend eternity with him. He cared that much for you. Even if you've never given him a moment's thought all your life, he cares for you and he still paid the cost for you. Even if you've cursed him and blasphemed him, even if you've, you've mocked him, that's how wonderful. The Samaritan didn't care that this Jew was an enemy in some ways, someone who despised him. He was despised by the Jews, but he still chose to care and pay the cost. And Jesus, no matter what you've done with him, no matter how you've treated him, he's prepared to be prepared to pay the cost for you because he cares for you. And you know what? It didn't just end there. That would have been enough. But he continues to care. His care is continuous for us. He didn't just stop caring when he died in Calvary. He rose to continue to care for us continuously. Today, wherever you're at, I want to tell you, 1 Peter says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It should blow our minds that Almighty God cares for us. It blew King David's mind in Old Testament. Psalm 8 and 4 says this, 
What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. (laughs) And he didn't stop caring. Isaiah 46 and 4 says this, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. Hey, thankfully. I made you and I will care for you. Even when you're old, I made you, I'm going to continue my care for you. I'll carry you along and save you. Today, we're going to take communion together. And I want us to consider, how can I strengthen my care? What can I do? I'm not asking you for a whole lifestyle change. But if each one of us took a step to care more, just think how collectively that care would increase. We need to care for one another. But we do it because we're doing it for Jesus. But more than that, it's because he cares for us. He chose to care. He chose to pay the cost. And he chose to continue to care for us until the end of our days. Sean, we're just going to come round what we used to call communion table. We don't have a table anymore. But we're going to come round in a sense, the place called Calvary. Just to say thank you for your care, Jesus. Thank you, you cared for me enough. You chose, you chose to care for me. You chose to pay whatever whatever it cost to redeem me and get me right with God. And you continue to care for me beyond anything I could even deserve or understand, to be honest. And I reflect on that, and as we take this waver and this blood, it speaks of his broken body for us and his blood shed for us. Yeah, please take your mask off while you're doing it. Uh, But only to do that. But listen, let's make a choice today. As you've cared for us, Lord, I'm making the decision to care more than I've ever cared. To just go that extra mile, to just to just start whatever that looks like. I believe God is dropping things in your heart right now that you can do, people you can connect with to help. Father, we take this waiver, we take this wine, and we thank you for it. And we make a decision in our hearts today to care in a fresh new way. Amen.